Well, guys, if you have your Bibles or if you've got your sermon notes open, um, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read the first five verses, what, uh, which is what we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, and here is what the Word of God says. Uh, Jesus, uh, as he's preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, here's what we call it. Uh, he says in Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure that you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And so, uh, our second question as we jump into this series is this, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own, right? Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own? Uh, and there's really three things I kind of want to point out as we look at these five verses together. And the first one is this, guys. I want you to know that it's normal to focus on changes that others should make, but it's not always right to do so. All right, let me say that again. It's normal to focus on changes that other people should make, but it's not always right to do so. All right? And, uh, and so, again, we, we kind of start in verse 3 here. Uh, Jesus says, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the splinter out of your eye? And look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Now, in the original language... Uh, I, People believe this was pretty hilarious, right? Like Jesus is actually talking, like there's a, a, a minute little piece of, of uh, and, and it all kind of, like there's, there's just like a little piece, of, like a little splinter there in your eye, and you're looking at that in somebody else. But the truth is you have like a railroad uh, like beam pointing out. You're like, here, let me, let me get you. And you're hitting the people in the face and the head as you're trying to get, like, like it's, it's supposed to be a little humorous. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I want to start here. Why does Jesus ask the question in the first place? Why does Jesus, uh, like, like he has this, this, this moment, this divine moment to teach the masses about the kingdom of God. And in the most famous sermon ever taught, he asked the masses of people this question. Why does he do that? Why does he actually have to ask the people in the crowd, why do, you, why do you do this? Why do you point to specks in your brother's eye when you've got a beam in your own? And, and the answer, of course, is because, well, everyone there does it. Everyone in the crowd has that problem. And guess what? We're the people in the crowd, right? As human beings, we all struggle with this. We all have a tendency to see what's wrong with other people, but not use that same level of criticism with ourselves. We all do it. So, so I want you to know, like, it's, it's a normal behavior, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a right behavior. So, so here's the question then. If it's something we all do, the question is, why? Why do we do it? Which is, by the way, is what Jesus asked, and every time we teach the passage, we just don't answer it. So let's, let's I, I kind of thought about this a little bit this week. Here's some reasons I believe that we do this, right? Uh, number one, I, I think we do it because it's easier to blame others than accept responsibility, Right? It's just a lot easier to blame other people than it is to accept responsibility. Uh, we see the faults in others. If we'll point those faults out, it kind of makes us feel a little better, which we'll get to in a second. But it, it's just easier to see it in other people. I read somebody this week says, we have a tendency to examine others beneath a microscope, but when it comes to ourselves, we use a telescope and we use it backwards. Have you ever done that? 
look through a telescope, but you do it the opposite way. So you look through the big end, and then it's really, really far away. You can't see any detail. And that's the way we kind of view ourselves. When we look at other people's life, man, we examine them under a microscope. We get it up to like 100 times. Like we can see the molecules of all their errors. And when it comes to ourselves, man, we get the furthest view possible so we can't see any blemishes. We do the same thing with our social media posts when we use those filters to take away all of our imperfections. Right? So why do we look at the splinter in our brother's eyes? Well, because it's easier to blame others than accept responsibility. Second reason, uh, we, because we often secretly struggle with the same sin. See, we, we easily see problems with other people because the truth is we have many of those same problems, right? We see it because we know it. Uh, psychologists would call this projection. Um, when you have a problem that you don't share with anyone else, you spend a lot of time trying to hide it, you very easily can identify it and call it out in other people, but you still never like to identify it in your own life, right? So that's the second reason. Third reason uh, we do it is because we want to feel better about ourselves. We just want to feel better about ourselves. When we point to other people's failures, it makes us feel better about ourselves in front of others. But guys, also kind of in front of God, right? If we're being honest, we're always trying to justify ourselves before God. So if I can point out somebody else's shortcomings, then it, like God, at least I'm not that bad. By the way, uh, God, God hates this activity. You remember the, the Pharisee that stands up and, and Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this man over here, this tax collector. Like God's like, no, that's not how you pray. You pray like this guy over here on his face before me beating his breast. But we have a tendency to do this, right? And that's why Jesus pointed out. But lastly, I, I do think there are some occasions that we see the speck in our brother's eyes out of love, out of genuine love and concern, love for others. But the problem with that, that's what I'm going to submit to you. Now, I'm not great at math, and I only gave you four reasons. I think I could probably make it up to ten, so this would be, like, if you were doing probabilities, that means at least 75% of the time you see a speck in your brother's eye, it is not of God. It's not godly motivation that's calling you to point that out. You guys following me? That's if it was percentages. The problem is it's not percentages because the, those three actually dominate this, the discussion. And, and the amount of time we actually do it out of genuine love and concern is minuscule. It's minuscule, which means most of the time that we see a problem in somebody else, we're not doing it for godly causes. You got it? Okay. So that's kind of where we begin, right? So that's where we begin. It's normal to focus on changes that others should make. We're humans, we're sinful creatures, but it's not always right to do so. We will talk about when it's right to do, this, do so. That's the first thing I want you to see. Second thing I want you to see is that a huge part of following Jesus is viewing yourself with humility and learning to accept blame, okay? A huge part of learning to follow Jesus is viewing yourself with humility and learning to accept blame. So let's continue in what Jesus says, verse 4 and 5. He says, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So two things I want to focus on. I want to talk about viewing ourselves with humility and then learning to accept blame. Let's start with humility. Here is what uh, the Bible calls us to as believers in Jesus. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others, right? In humility, consider others better than yourself. So the first key, the first key uh, to, to, to not looking at the speck in your brother's eye, right, is, is 
viewing that person as more important than yourself. Just think through that for a second. So humility is the first key to, to stopping this, this usually sinful behavior in me where I'm constantly pointing out other people's faults. So the very first key is that I get a proper view of myself, right? Paul writes this to the church uh, in, in Rome. He says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think himself more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So, so that's the first key to battle this, this um, usually sinful desire in us to point out other people's faults is humility. But there's more to it than just having a right view of self. See, not only do we have to have this understanding that I'm, I'm, I too am a sinner and I mess up, we, we also then have to own that sin. Own those opportunities, those times when we mess up. And we, we get this from the beginning of the passage, Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2. Uh, Jesus says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you'll be measured by the same measure that you use. He uses the word judge four times in two, in, 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 uh, two verses. That means it's important. Uh, that word in this specific context uh, carries with it not just a sense of judging between right and wrong, but, but a judgment that brings with it condemnation. Right? This is, this is, in, in, in fact, Dallas Willard in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount would say this passage is all about condemnation. That really what Jesus is saying is don't condemn others. Right? Don't condemn others for otherwise they will condemn you. They'll see it in you. And so, so listen, instead of condemning someone else and placing all the blame on them, I need to understand, right, humility. I'm not perfect either. And then I also need to look for the places that I've messed up and I need to own them, right? And what this is going to do is create a bridge so that I can see that person, they can see me, and, and, and we can see each other clearly and work through conflict. So uh, I'll give you a, a good example. I asked Franklin if we could do this. He's like, yeah, I'm down. So we, we walk through. God's always gracious enough to let me live out the sermon before I preach it. Um, and so this week, uh, for instance, and we've had some craziness going on here. If y'all haven't known, uh, we, we, we've, we've put in a lot of hours lately. We've had all kinds of things going on. So kind of the epitome, we, we worked all last weekend, worked Friday, worked Saturday, uh, getting the church ready, worked Sunday. We had an event outdoors Sunday. Uh, at the end, we kind of brought in some of those camping chairs that we, we keep, and we keep them way up there in storage, and we had just brought them through the door, just wiped out, tired, uh, exhausted. And, uh, and then Monday, as I was leaving, I was like, hey, we, we got to get that. I was like, hey, Franklin, I'm sorry, I got to go. Would you please take care of those chairs for me and make sure that they get upstairs? Now, uh, that didn't happen uh, right, right away. Uh, so I came in Tuesday morning, chairs were still where they were, and, uh, and we had hired, um, because our maintenance guy, Pete, um, retired, we had hired a cleaning service, and they're only coming a couple days a week uh, is kind of how that was working. And so what happened is they had already worked from the fellowship hall to the bathrooms, and they were just about to hit this next hallway, which would lead up to right where those chairs were. And so I uh, came in. I was not uh, super thrilled. Um, and, uh, and so we began to get those things and move those things. And so, uh, and I had texted Franklin. He comes in. He's like, dude, I am so sorry. And, uh, and I got to be honest. Like, in, I, was, I was frustrated, but he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I just should have done that. Um, but here's the deal. Here's what I didn't do because I have a tendency to overcommit myself and I get a little busy. So when I get too busy... I know all of the reasoning in my head because I've thought it out and I've worked through it, but I don't always communicate the why. And here's the deal. It would have taken about five or ten seconds to fully communicate, 
hey, Frank, could you do this for me because the ladies are coming tomorrow and I want to make sure that that area gets clean too. would have taken me five or ten seconds more, but I didn't do that. And so we ended up having this moment in my office where he's going like, dude, I'm sorry, I should have just done it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm equally sorry. I, I could have communicated clearly why I wanted that done and we would have been okay. And so what happened, because we were both willing to see our own faults, we, we, we created a bridge that we could love one another and that we could both walk out of the conversation seeing each other better than before, understanding each other better than before, and knowing that moving forward we had better ground to work on. Does that make sense? It's a crazy different Jesus-like way to live, amen? It's a crazy Jesus-like way to go about life with one another, which just kind of leads to our final point here, is that when we learn to do that, we are finally capable of extending loving correction without condemnation. When we're able to do what I just explained, we're finally capable of extending loving correction without condemnation. Look at verse 5. This is where Jesus lands. He says, hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will clearly, uh, you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So, so this is actually the goal. Sometimes we read this passage, we get so caught up, well, basically, then I should never do this. No. That's actually not what Jesus is preaching. What Jesus is preaching is we should live so radically different lives as Christ's followers, filled with such humility, always willing to accept blame, that we constantly do this with one another, and our relationships are so radically different than the ones in the world that everybody looks at us and goes, wow, they're, look at how they live in peace with one another. They're different, right? The point of the passage is that we should live such lives that we can continually, in love and mutual respect, point to one another and go, hey, come here, you got a, a little, little, you, you ever seen that when somebody's kind of got an eyelash? They don't even know it's there. They're kind of like jacking with something. And it's just like right there on the edge. Come here, bud. I got it. Let me just get that off for you. And they can do the same for me. That's how it's supposed to be. And when we get a right view of self, and we're each willing to own blame for our part. When we do that, when we take dual ownership, it helps us find that common ground, move forward in love and respect. So uh, what do we do with, with Matthew 7, 1 through 5, moving forward? What do we do? All right. So I think there's three things that we could do to get better at this. Can we do Anybody want to confess they're not great at this this morning? Come on. How many people have ever... Uh, or are currently. How many of you walked in this morning, be honest, you were kind of mad at somebody and you've been kind of placing some blame on them? Come on. Yep, yep. Like, yep, if they had done this differently, if they had done this differently, yep, 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 yep. I got you, man. I got you. I feel you. All right, so here are some things that I think will help. Number one, um, it, it, this is a bit of introspection. Number one, ask yourself these two questions. I didn't write these questions. I stole them from somebody and I forgot his name. I didn't bring the piece of paper home with me last night, but he's a Christian counselor. And so he asked these two questions. So I just want you to know that I'm not, I'm not some great you know, Christian counseling genius. I, I, I totally got this from somewhere this week. Uh, he, he, he asked, did I contribute to the problem? And how can I help the conversation? See, there is a conversation meant to be had, Right? So, so question one, did I contribute to the problem? Do I, do I, is there anything that I've done? And how can I help 
the conversation. Those two questions will go a long way in helping you live out Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Okay? Second step. Accept responsibility for your shortcomings. Okay? You've got to own it. So it's not just, oh, could I have done better? Then there's a little moment of confession with the individual. Bro, I should have done better. Right? If I had done better, I think this would have helped our, 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 our problem. Right? I, I think it would have it gone a long way. Now, I do want to make a little note here because some of you um, will take this too far. So it's important that we make a note here. Right? Uh, there is a, a way to take this too far. So Aristotle, everybody remember that guy back in history, the philosopher Aristotle? Uh, he had a list of what he called vices and virtues. And they were about extremes and means. And he said what you found in the mean was always the virtue. And what you found on the extremes were always the vices. So I'll give you an example. Courage is a mean for him. It's found in the middle and it's a virtue, right? Now on, on, on the other extremes, on one extreme, you have cowardice, right? That's a vice. On the other extreme, though, of, of courage, you, you have uh, hubris or pride or rashness, Right? Somebody that just runs into every situation. That, that's called being dumb, right? So he, he would identify like, like the virtue is found in the middle. You guys follow me? So I want you to think about the conversation we're having in, in that uh, set. So the reason Jesus asked the question in the first place, why do you look at the speck, right, is because of deficiency on our part. Because the truth is most of us are on the extreme to the left. We always blame everyone else, all right? So that is a vice. That's not a virtue. He's pointing out sin. Okay. On the other side, though, some of you hearing this message that you need to take responsibility, you're going to take responsibility for everything. And everything is your fault. And it's always you. And you're the person that no matter what, no matter what happens in life, you constantly apologize. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Mama, I love you. You've got to stop apologizing for stuff I do wrong. Okay? So, like... That happens in life. Sometimes we, we, we're that person. We own everything. And it's not all on us either. So I want you to know both of those extremes, blaming everyone else or trying to take all the blame, both of those are a vice. The virtue is found here in the middle when we are willing to see our own faults, our own failures, and we're willing to own those failures so that we can build that bridge to communicate clearly with the other person. You guys follow me? This is yes. This is no. This is I'd like coffee. Okay? Okay, I see some. Yep, we got some. There we go. Alright. Last thing. Last thing. Once we've done those things, in love and humility, help one another learn and grow. In love and humility, help one another learn and grow. This is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, friends. It is that the church would live such radically different lives because of the grace of Jesus Christ. That we would understand that everything has been paid for us and, and that we're so confident in who we are in Christ that it's okay if we mess up. That it's okay to own that we mess up. That we can walk in humility knowing that we've messed up. That we can own our mistakes. And that as we do so, we can create such a bond of love and respect with one another that the rest of the world goes, dude, I don't understand how y'all do it. I really don't. That's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. So, why then would we ever continue to leave this place 
constantly pointing out the fault of others, constantly pointing out the speck in others' eyes. I pray the answer to that question is, well, I know why I did it before, but I don't want to do it anymore. God, help me. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. It is good. It is good to study your word. God, I pray that you would bring this message uh, to life in us and that we would be transformed by its truth, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.